0: Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artists' relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Schaff. For Mental Health Month, we've partnered with The Ensemblist, the podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. We're in season two here at Anxiety and the Artist, and a lot of you were saying that you wanted to hear my story. So for this week's episode, I chatted with the ensembleist Mo Brady about my own experience with anxiety. My background as an artist and the tools I found useful.
1: Now, in addition to being the host of this great podcast, like you said, you're a director, you've been a children's guardian on Broadway. Um, How has anxiety manifested itself in your own career?
0: So, so we have to go back a little, um, take I was, raised, us, <laughs> I'm going to take you all the way back. Um, so I was raised in a very conservative religious home and I was sent to a private evangelical school where every day we were told the world was going to end. Huh. And being in an environment like that, when you're a child, especially, and you're continually told that you're not safe, um, can lead to some anxiety. <laughs> And and then I was also bullied pretty mercilessly in high school by nah. some some mean girls cuz that's what girls do in high school. Um and it manifested in my career, not in performing. I used to be a performer. Um
1: Didn't we all I, I was-
0: <laughs> yeah. It, and and that's great. I think it's fantastic. I think everybody should be a performer at some point in their life if you're in this industry to really fully understand it all. <laughs> um, but when I was on stage, that never bothered me. But the audition process was just awful for me because I was, again, asked, I couldn't hide behind a character. I had to be myself. I had to Put myself out there. I had to be vulnerable. I could not have a wall up, and that was sort of like the death of me. Mm. <laughs> and that is where my anxiety really manifested. I would have panic attacks before going into the room. I would have panic attacks in the room. Um, I would do all of the classic things that one one does: avoidance. You know, coming up with multiple excuses to not go to an audition. Um, I I was mean, like I, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, my my insecurities came out, and so then I would pick apart the people around me. That's not cool. Um, yeah, so that's sort of how it manifested in my own career.
1: And. Do you feel like performing artists have a unique relationship to anxiety? I I think in our world, we think of everyone as being anxious in some way or another, but you know, actors, directors, creative types, um, performers, I guess, is there something about either the personality or the work or both that you think make them prone for, to feel anxious?
0: Well, artists certainly don't have ownership over anxiety. Like everybody has anxiety, but, um, absolutely. I feel like the work that we do, the work we do requires us to be, to be vulnerable, um, on a daily basis, um, pretty much in everything that we do, we have to bring and bear our souls. And then a lot of the times be judged based on that. And, you know, that's something that like, if you're an accountant, like you're generally like not bringing your soul to the spreadsheet, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, So, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like um, we are more affected by anxiety um, because of our vulnerability and it's definitely it can be definitely be toxic to the creative process. In what way? Well, <laughs> everybody everybody has is fighting their own battles and everybody's dealing with their own demons and everybody has their own process. And so when you're in a room with somebody who, you know, likes to d- be repetitive because that's what sort of eases their anxiety and helps them get get into their zone and then you have somebody who finds repetition to be absolutely mind-numbing and kills their their creativity and then you have to find a way to make both of those people's processes work and and those can obviously you know those can be in direct conflict with one another at times
1: and are those some of the ways all of the ways that you've seen anxiety manifest itself in the careers of other actors that you've directed or or worked with in other theater settings,
0: um, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's just a small, you know. There's, in insecurity, is a huge part of it, and you know, and also like our training. Our training sort of teaches us, and I'm, I'm, I'm noticing a shift in this now, which is amazing, and I hope that it continues to ch- to change. But you know, we've there's a lot of shame based teaching that happens. <laughs> And and I I find performers doing that to their fellow performers as well, Um, and it's all coming from anxiety and insecurity. And you know, as a director, obviously, I try to create a safe environment in which to create. But those things sort of rear their ugly heads at times, and it's finding ways to to deal with that um, and address it to where everybody feels safe.
1: What do you mean by shame-based?
0: Um, okay, so let's say you're a dancer and you're in dance class and you can't remember the steps. Or you're, you're you're an instructor and you're you're looking at your students and one of them can't remember the steps. And this student is a particularly solid student who's usually on top of things, but they can't remember. So you call them out and make them come to the front of the room knowing full well that they don't know the steps. And knowing that they're not going to be able to do it. And and in doing so you shame and embarrass them into quote unquote learning to do it. And that's not cool. Like there's clearly something going on with that person if they're, you know, generally a solid performer and suddenly they're not. I would ask what else is going on that's making them not bring them full their their full self to the process.
1: What do you see? I mean that's a method we that feels very familiar to me in in a in class, you know, singling out a student that is perhaps having an issue with some part of the technique and, um, working with them one-on-one with an audience in order to help them or get them to, um, uh, learn the lesson that the teacher is hoping to, or the director is hoping to, uh, what do you see as alternatives in a situation like that?
0: Huh. <laughs> That's a a fantastic question. This is something I am continuing to educate myself on. If if this is an educational setting, um, I would pair people up and ask them to go and, you know, work on it. Great. Go in the corner and work on that for a couple of minutes and see what you can teach each other. If the setting allows for it, and a lot of times it doesn't, but like working with that individual one-on-one without their peers all staring at them <laughs> and judging them because because really we all feel judged in that situation. But yeah, being able to to help somebody while removing the judgment and the pressure and making it a, a supportive and encouraging environment as opposed to a judgmental one.
1: Would you see that any differently when you are working in a professional environment versus an
0: educational environment? Absolutely not. No, (laughs) no, I mean, you know, it's a little more difficult in that, you know, you're dealing with time constraints. You only have a certain number of hours in a day to rehearse something and it has to be you're you're working on a deadline. Um, So but no, I mean, I see absolutely no reason why you wouldn't, you know, send the assistant choreographer, the associate choreographer or whoever, you know, go go work on that in the other room and, you know, come back and join us in a little bit.
1: I guess critics of that might say that the professional environment is one where you're expected to be on all of the time, that that sort of um, public grilling is is part of the experience of being at an industry's highest level. Would you disagree?
0: I think that's bullshit. <laughs> and why so I will agree that you should absolutely hold yourself to a high standard this is Broadway it's the highest level absolutely but there's no reason that you shouldn't hold yourself to a high standard but also give yourself some grace um I think that an environment, a creative environment needs to be a safe environment. And if you walk into a creative environment and you don't feel safe because you feel like you have to be on all the time, you're not being vulnerable and therefore you're not bringing your best creative self to the table. And I really feel like that is on the the director to create that environment where everybody feels like they can come in and fall flat on their face because that's where the creativity happens you know you learn through failure and if you're in an environment where you don't feel like you can fail and you don't feel like you can try new things out and and play with an idea then then I don't feel like that's a, a safe positive creative environment to be in
1: I mean sure I don't think there's a director <laughs> out there that would say no I tell my director I tell my actors that it's not a safe space and I want them to bring their a game all of the time. And this is not a safe space (laughs) to fail. However, how, how do you see that philosophy manifesting itself in a rehearsal setting? Um,
0: I think that, um, again, I can only speak to, for for myself but i feel like managing expectations is massive um y- you know we've all been there where we get, we get the part and then we we spend like a month building it up in our heads and oh my god what's it going to be like who's is this person going to like me you know like we 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 go through all of those things in our head and i mean for myself i reach out to the actors the second they get the offer and I say, I'm here, here's my, here's what I, here's my vision as of right now. And please reach out to me if you have any questions and if you have idea, whatever, like I, I'm here for you. <laughs> um, and then managing expectations, like on the first couple of days of rehearsals, what, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's where we're going with this. Um, creating establishing from day one that this is a safe space to create and that we're going to do our best not to judge each other and to judge our characters for that matter so that we can you know find the best possible way to tell this story and you know and ultimately creating for me a collaborative environment like i i do so much work ahead of day one of rehearsal 50 percent of my job happens before the first day of rehearsal, but I don't have all the answers and, and what a boring show it would be if we did nothing but my vision. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you know, you know, for me, I've hired an actor because I want them to bring who they are to the role. And I want to hear their ideas. I might not use them, but I want to hear them and I want to explore that and you know because we all have to be in the same show but <laughs> but i i try to foster a space where people feel free to speak up and say hey i feel like it it might be more of this okay great let's play with that did it work great did it not work great we won't do it you know like again but that's that's my rehearsal room <laughs>
1: One of the jobs you've had in your uh, multitudinous career thus far has been as a, a children's wrangler on Broadway. I'm wondering if, you know, is is there something that working with kids has taught you about anxiety?
0: <laughs> yes. Right. Um, it has taught me everything hmm. about anxiety and artists. One of the things I noticed early on was you put these, you put children in these situations where they have to be vulnerable, where they and then like scary situations to them, um, you know, they're coming from, you know, the last thing they did was their school play where, you know, 20 people were watching them and it was in their auditorium. And now all of a sudden they're on Broadway and it's the top of the game and they've gone from like, you know, one I- extreme end of the spectrum to the other And they're put in these crazy situations and everybody treats them for the most part. And I can't say this about everyone, but for the most part they're treated with compassion and kindness. They're given a human being, they're given me to make sure that their needs are taken care of and that their needs as a human are being met as well as their needs as a performer. And, what was so fascinating to me was watching adults that were being put in the same exact situation and there was zero compassion for them. It was just suck it up. And that was, you know, again, one of the reasons I started this podcast was that was something I wanted to explore. Like, why is there sort of this double standard almost of, well, you're an adult, just suck it up, get over it. Now, don't get me wrong. You do have to show up to To your job and be prepared to do the job, but there are. But I also feel like if you're having anxiety about something, then that should be dealt with with compassion, as opposed to get over yourself. If somebody you know shows up and they've broken their foot, (laughs) you don't say keep dancing on that broken foot. You say, oh my gosh, let's let's deal with it. And then we'll, you know, and we'll, then we'll move forward. And I really feel, and to quote one of my guests, Kathleen McGuire Gaines, I feel that mental health should needs to be held in the same regard as physical health when it comes to performers.
1: Hmm. So you've noticed anxiety manifesting itself in yourself and others in our industry. What made you feel like a podcast was the right format to be exploring this? You know,
0: when I first came to New York in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, um and i was experiencing anxiety i really didn't have anybody to talk to i didn't um i didn't know that all the other people around me were feeling the same thing that i was feeling hmm. and i also didn't have access to healthcare i didn't have i couldn't go see a therapist because it, i i didn't have health care it wasn't affordable there that wasn't an option and one of the reasons i created this podcast was so that other artists could know that they're not alone in what they're feeling and experiencing and to provide them with some options. Now, I am not a therapist. I am not in any way claiming to be, you know, that I am qualified in any way to help with that. But I do think that there is a tremendous amount of healing that can happen in sharing your story and in sharing your experiences.
1: What's something specific that you've learned from one of your guests? Maybe it was an antidote or, um, you know, a philosophy that they shared that, uh, surprised you or sort of opened up how you view anxiety today.
0: Um, I'm going to go back to the whole shame-based motivation that, um, my guest Kathleen McGuire Gaines shared. Um, you know, it's something that I would witness a lot as a guardian. I would notice it and I was like, this isn't right. And then I would a lot of the times have to do sort of damage repair. Mm-hmm. Um, and the But the way that she described it and des- specifically described it in the dance world, which was the example that I gave you, um, kind of like hit hit the nail on the head. Like, we've got to find better ways of doing this because this isn't healthy. <laughs> You know, Mm -hmm. um, and that was, I, and I, she, she was just so incredibly concise about everything. Like mental health needs to be held in the same regard and with the same importance as physical health. It's just that simple. Hey everybody. This is Allison again. I've been doing this podcast for 14 episodes now and we're at the end of our second season. And I wanted to share with you what I've learned so far from my guests and also what I found helpful in mitigating my own anxiety. So my guests have taught me that we all experience anxiety in some form and it can manifest in our lives and in our work in different ways. You don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed of your anxiety or your depression or any other mental health issue that you might currently be dealing with. And there is absolutely no shame in getting help for those things and talking to a professional. We all feel insecure and inadequate at times, but the key is in how we respond to those feelings. Some of the things that I have found helpful in mitigating my own anxiety, uh, if you'll notice, through a lot of my interviews, I am laughing, <laughs> um, and that is because I always try to find the humor in every situation, um, and also I really I found a lot of comfort in reaching out to my friends throughout this crazy time that we're living in, and just having a conversation. And it doesn't even have to be a deep conversation. It's just connecting with other people and and, and outside of your own little bubble. Um, I found doing yoga to be really, really helpful. Uh, that's the the form of exercise that works for me. But I mean, anything. Go go for a walk. Walking's also great. Just get out of your head. Get out of the the space w- that gets you into that anxious place um being mindful um again where i know that the world is really challenging right now the political situation in our country is very challenging and we don't really want to be in the moment and we're constantly looking for ways to escape being in the moment and i understand that but there's a tremendous amount of calm in just being in the space that you're in, and recognizing the room and the space, and taking a breath, and <laughs> realizing that feelings aren't facts—that's that's a huge thing for me. Um, take a social media break. Just just get off get off social media for a couple days. Your your brain will be so much better for it. Your mental health will be so much better for it. And lastly, practicing gratitude. I used to wake up in the morning, as soon as my alarm would go off, grab my phone and immediately start checking my email. And that set the tone for my entire day. And now I don't look at my phone for several hours until after I've woken up. And instead I think of all of the things that I am grateful for, which can be challenging at times. But starting your day off in a place of gratitude as opposed to a place of, I have to get things done, makes a huge difference in how you approach your day. Um, Lastly, I want to say thank you so much to all of my guests that have um, been on the show for sharing your stories, for sharing your vulnerability. Um, And thank you so much to all of you who are listening Um, I really, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it so much. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. And a special thank you to Mo and everyone over at The Ensemble List. For more information and resources, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy. And stay creative. Anxiety in the artist is produced by Grosta Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and Engineering is by Vasco Chef. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.